Hi, and welcome to another Kingdom Pattern. In this episode, we're going to be looking at how God helps us fulfill our calling. So with this series, we're looking at how God directs us and helps us find our next step, but in different elements and different areas. In one area with the summits, we looked at how he grows our faith to believe for the things he has for us to do. Uh, with the diamonds, we looked at the journey God can take us on so we can go from a dream to a destiny. In this episode, we're going to look at how he um, shapes us and kind of fills out our calling, which will make more sense as you get to see this particular pattern. But first, let's look at this uh, passage from Ephesians. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. So let me ask you a question before I go into that passage. Why do you exist? My answer is really simple. You exist because God did not have anybody exactly like you and he wanted someone exactly like you. And God always gets what he wants, and what he wants is you. However, saying that does not mean that when you were created, you had everything you needed all wrapped up in you. Some of the skills and the abilities and knowledge and um, wisdom that you're going to need to fulfill your calling is not in you. It's actually in other people. So let me show you uh, the first diagram. In this diagram, it just says me, and it's a false diagram. The Bible says this, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. So, very simple, you were not created to be independent, you were created to be interdependent. Let me show you another diagram. In this diagram, what you see is you see me, but with other people influencing who you are. And that is God's plan. God uses people to help you fulfill and find your calling. Okay, so so far, so, so good. I mean, that's fairly straightforward, isn't it? I think only the most proudest and naive people would think that they don't need others to help them fulfill their calling. Um, but it gets tricky from now on because you have to ask the question, how much of people's influence do we take on? Let's look at this next diagram. In this next diagram, you see an X and a check or a tick, as we say in England. And what you see in this diagram is that people are to influence us and some of that is what God is using to help fill us out, to fill, fill out our calling, if you like, but not all of it. So when I was younger, uh, I had two leaders that helped me develop my calling. One of them was uh, Pastor Harry Letson, who was a pastor. Uh, he was great at counselling people and helping people and uh, discipling people. 
So I learnt a lot from him. There were many areas in my life I hadn't discovered. There were skills I didn't know were there that he actually brought out of me by stretching me and pulling me in different directions. I had another friend, another leader called Paul Morley, who was an evangelist. Paul would take me on the streets of Manchester and take me into different places and into schools and show me how to teach and communicate, especially the gospel message. And again, he brought out of me skills by stretching me and testing me and pushing me, which were great. But here's the rub. Here's the thing. I was never supposed to become an evangelist or a pastor. I was supposed to understand the parts of them that were supposed to help me be me, but I wasn't supposed to become them. And I think this is a key part to understanding this kingdom pattern. So let me show you another diagram. In this diagram, you see a further complication, which is there are different types of people who have a different amount of influence in our lives. Now, as one English author said, Relationships are special, but relationships are also spatial. We have to understand that wisdom, particularly relational wisdom, is figuring out, one, how much of a person should influence us and help us fulfill our calling to be the person that God has chosen us to be without becoming them or stressing out trying to be them. And secondly, which people should play a bigger part in our lives than others? Because one of the problems we have is that sometimes there are some people who have far too much say in our lives and some people who have far too little say in our lives. Wisdom is not thinking I'm not easily influenced. Wisdom is knowing we're easily influenced and choosing the right kinds of influence at the right times. So let's take a look at that in our in our first workshop. I would like you to take a look at some pictures I'm going to show you now. As you look through these pictures, you'll notice how much the owners are very similar to their pets. So now I'd like you to ask the question, who do you most look like? Now you're no one's pet and you're no one's owner, hopefully, but outside of your spouse or girlfriend or boyfriend, who most influences you? I'd like you to create a sphere of influence diagram to show that to your group. So similar to the last diagram I showed you, show me who and show your group who are the most influential in your life, who's influencing you to a large degree or to a small degree. Put those people's names in there and explain in what way are they influencing you. If you can take some time to do that and then we're going to look on to a great biblical example of this, and then some cool practices to help us think through how can God continue to help us build out our calling. So let's look at the character in the Bible who most exemplifies this kingdom pattern, and that's Jesus. Yes, he's fully God, but he was also fully human. And he actually allowed himself to be influenced so he could fulfill the calling the Father had on him. One of the most obvious people or groups of people who influenced him in his day were the Pharisees. The Pharisees clearly influenced Jesus, particularly in his teaching and discipling of others. Let me give you an example of this. 
the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. So you must obey them and do everything they tell you. But do not do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. Jesus literally said to his disciples, I want you to do what the Pharisees teach. You must obey them. Actually, Jesus' teaching was very similar to the Pharisees when it came to certain doctrines. The problem was they didn't do what they said they would do, and that's where they differed. Another group of people that really influenced Jesus were the Essenes. The Essenes talked about preparing the way of the Lord, and they had similar thoughts on baptism and particularly the way a community should be set up that Jesus seems to refer to at times. For the sake of this live, why I don't have time to go into that, but you'll find the references for this in the book. In fact, John the Baptist was thought to have either been an Essene or someone who was disillusioned by the Essenes because they were essentially the hippies. What they taught about community and sharing was great, but they lived outside of the mainstream in their own little pockets and, and cut-off communities. And John the Baptist and certainly Jesus did not go along with that idea. But listen to what Jesus says, because this verse that he talks and way he talks about community could be taken from these scenes, doctrines and thoughts themselves. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let them have your cloak as well. So as I said, in my book, um, you'll find more details of how these scenes are connected to Jesus and how they probably influenced them, or at least he, he used and garnished some of their teaching to explain how a community should act in the kingdom of God. Let's look at a third group, the Hasidim. The Hasidim were very charismatic teachers in a very similar style to Jesus. They lived in the area that Jesus operated in. Uh, they'd preceded the Pharisees. They were famous for a couple of things. They were famous for great results in prayer, but in particular for this idea of Kavanaugh, which uh, I talk about in a different one of my books. Uh, this idea of Kavanaugh is when you fixate your focus on the purpose and the presence of God. So they would say to people, when you're on God's mission, when you're on, uh, when you're going about God's purpose, don't get distracted by a king even or anyone along the way. Listen to what Jesus said. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. That idea could be taken straight from the Hasidim. They would encourage the same kind of thing. Another group were the sages, such as Hillel. Hillel was about 30 years older than Jesus and had some very unique uh, communication techniques that Jesus, as well as other teachers of the day, adopted. So his seven rules of exegesis, you see pop up time and time again in the way Jesus taught. For instance, listen to these words from Matthew chapter 7. Jesus said, or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? This is Jesus using Hillel's technique that was called light and heavy. Again, I don't have time to go into this, but what you see 
is Jesus adopting not only Hillel's style, but in his gentler form of teaching compared to the Pharisees, Jesus is influenced clearly by Hillel. And that's not a problem. It's fine because what Jesus is doing is adopting other skills and abilities to make his own calling more powerful. So in our second workshop, let's ask if there's another Bible character whose life seems to follow the spheres pattern. If you can find one, please create their spheres of influence by drawing a similar diagram. Put their name in the center circle in the same way I just did for Jesus, including the various reference points and scriptures. Decide how much an influence others were on that person and write in the circle in the shaded area in what ways they were influenced. If you have time, write in the outer circles in what ways they were not influenced. So in all those groups that influenced Jesus, you saw their influence and the ways that they were not an influence. The Pharisees influenced his teaching, but not his actions. The Essenes influenced his thoughts on community, but they were separate from community and he stayed in the community. Hillel did not go as far as Jesus when it comes to things to do with grace and comes to things to do with going the extra mile. He talks about it, but Jesus goes further than Hillel. So take a look and uh, work on that workshop, uh, spend about 10-15 minutes and then we'll look at a couple of practices to help you think through how you work out who should influence and not influence you. So in my book, I have various different tips and ideas on how to really uh, help you going through this particular journey. But let's look at a couple of them, some of the simple ones right now. My first practice would be this. Allow new people to break into your life. This is really important because new abilities, new skills, new wisdom will keep you fresh and fulfill your calling. If you leave certain people out of your life, you'll never really know the fullness of the calling that God has for you. I want you to take a look at this picture. This depicts human male sperm and a female egg. Okay, so you're probably thinking, why on earth am I looking at this and why did Paul put this on this particular live wire? Well, you are a winner, literally. Think about it. You were conceived when a sperm beat all the other sperm to the egg. The sperm that created you is a winner. You were born a winner, literally. And therefore, you have great things to bring into other people's lives. But so does everybody else. God created them. They won their first ever race. They've got special skills and abilities that God wants to bring into your life. And God can't do that if you don't allow him to. John Maxwell said this, you're the same person today as you will be in 30 years, except the books you read and the people you spend time with. They're the two biggest influences on you. The people you spend time with will shape you. The differences in you will be because of the books you read or other similar kind of ways of taking on information, but mainly the people you spend time with. 
don't write anybody off. They won their first race in the same way you did. They were born winners. There's something special about them as there's something special about you. And everyone has something to teach you. So don't think I want this person to influence me, but I don't want this person. What you really want to ask is how much influence from these different people do I want in my life? And that's the trick to relational wisdom. And that brings me on to the second practice. Choose your influences wisely. The author Paul Scanlon said that there's no such thing as a bad relationship, only spatial miscalculations. So similar to what I've just said before, there's always something you can learn from other people. You've got to ask the question, really, are they too far away or are they too close? Am I creating too much space for them or have I not created enough space for them? If you're starting to stress out about trying to be like someone, then that's not their fault. There's something of a miscalculation that you've made. What you're looking for in people are the kind of things that you want in your life or you believe that God wants for you. Now, I often give this advice as well. What you want to do is you want to find the right kind of people with a track record. No one should be your whole influence. So I'm looking for people with a track record in their particular area. If I'm going to ask them to teach me about relationships, I want someone who's really good at relationships. I don't care if they're a good preacher or not. Um, I might ask someone who's a great father to help me be a better father, but I may not ask them to teach me how to, you know, do something in my home or teach me how to teach. Uh, I may love a communicator and want them to help me be a better communicator to fulfill my calling, but I may not ask them to be a great father. I'm not listening to their words, I'm watching their action and I'm looking at the fruit in their lives. And I would encourage you, look at the fruit, don't listen to words. What's the truth? What truth can you see in their life that's proving to be true, that's proving to be something useful to the Lord that they can inject in your life and help bring out from you something good? Great people will stretch you. Great people will push you. Great people will pull things out of you that you didn't think were there. People who are not so good for you are actually more interested in just having a nice relationship with you than really developing you. So I want you to think about this as we approach our final workshop. So before we look at the workshop, let's take a look at our final diagram. Some of you, unfortunately, look like this diagram. You have dents in your circle because you've not allowed others to pour into you. Maybe it was too difficult, maybe you didn't like their personality, maybe you didn't see the good in them, but the reality is you're never going to be fully who you could be because you decided to keep people too far away from you for the wrong reasons. Jesus warned his disciples about this. Take a look at some of the things he said. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? And not even the tax collectors doing that. The Message Bible interprets the next verse with a little bit of a sarcastic tone when it says, if you simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect a medal? Any run-of-the-mill sinner does that. My hope and prayer for you is that you will fulfill 
all that God has for you by not shutting other people out or taking on too much from other people, but by spending time in the Word of God and understanding how relationships really work. So to help you with that, let's look at our final workshop. Ask yourself the question, do you have any spatial miscalculations in your life? If so, take time to redraw your sphere in the way you think it should look. So take time to increase or decrease people's influence. Take time to decide what it is about them that God wants to fulfill in your life. But remove the bits or at least recognize the bits where you're trying to be too much like them when actually that's not something you should be taking on board yourself. And try to remember as well that nobody's perfect. Look for the things of God in them that are the things that God wants to bring out in you. So take time, reflect on that. Think about Jesus. Think about the Bible character you came up with before and see what God teaches you as you meditate on those stories and on those people. Hopefully this has been helpful. Again, this has been about fulfilling your calling because to do that, you need the skills, abilities, wisdom and knowledge that God has given you but is put in other people. Have a great time and I'll speak to you next time.